This morning, I would like to start a short series. Very short. Short as me. <laughs> and I would like to deal with the commandments of God. And I'll show you in a while that I've entitled this mini-series, so to speak, as Why Obey the Commandments? Why Obey the Commandments? You see, at the back, this is why CCF is founded, right? Matthew 28 says, God therefore make disciples of what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now I see here, teaching them, that's equipping. We teach them, we instruct them in the word of God. Teaching them what? Teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey. That happens in discipleship, in your small group. But just teaching them to obey is not enough. The Bible tells us what? Teaching them to obey all. That includes the big stuff. That includes the small stuff. You may not be murdering people or stealing or killing or destroying, but if you have pride, if you have bitterness, those unseen sins that there's a book came out that says, respectable sins. There is no sin in God's eyes that is respectable. All sin in God's eyes are, is sin. So it is our responsibility as your leaders to apply this truth in our lives that we teach you, not for information, but for transformation, to teach you to obey. And in the spirit of discipleship in our small groups, to teach you to obey everything that God has commanded us. So before I continue, can I please ask everyone to stand as we read just two verses from the epistle of Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Shall we all read together? But... Once you were not a people, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. It doesn't change. Heaven and earth will pass, but your word will remain forever. Father, I pray, as you have impressed this message upon my heart, that you use me that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. For apart from your Holy Spirit, Lord, we can do nothing. We commit to you this time, Lord God. We pray that you will give us open hearts, open minds, to see what you want us to see, to listen what you want us to listen to, and to obey everything that you're commanding us this day. Be glorified, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Now, let me just call your attention to some uh, aspects of this very short passage. You are what? Huh? What else? What else? What else? 
So you are a chosen people. Who did the choosing? God. You are a royal priesthood who appointed you to that office. You are a holy nation who declared you holy. Who owns you? And what is the purpose? So you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Do you notice that there was a transfer? Before God chose you, before you became a priest, because before you became a holy nation, before you became God's special possession, you were in the dark. I was in the dark. And by the grace of God, He transferred us out of the dark and put us into His wonderful light. Verse 10 tells us, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. An orphan is one of the saddest people in the world. He doesn't know who his parents were. He lives with people whom he's not related to. It's a very sad state. If our American-speaking friends would allow me, ang ulila, bao. Walang ama, walang ina, walang makakapatid, walang kamag-anak, ang ulila, bao. They have nothing. They have no family. They have no connection. In Tagalog, we call them palaboy. But what did God do according to 1 Peter 2? He called them. He made them a people. And He gave them His mercy. When the Bible says that you and I are a holy nation, we need to realize what that word is. Many times we assign the word holiness to the pious. Many times we refer to God as Holy. Right. But God has declared us what? A holy nation. So what does the word holy mean? In the Old Testament, Kadash, it means to consecrate, to sanctify, to dedicate, to be hallowed, to be separate, to be set apart. The New Testament word, Hagios, means the same thing. To be set apart. To be different. To be distinguished. Again, pardon me for those who are here. Angat sa iba. We are not supposed to be the same. We should live lives that are different from the rest of the world. Because God has called us to be a holy nation. Set apart for God. So that when people see us, they will see, they will notice, they will observe, they will remark that there's something different about these people. And who are these people supposed to be? Us. You and I. Those who profess to be children of God. So my, 
my message this morning is entitled, Why Obey the Commandments? The commandments are those that set us apart. Obedience to God's commandments are the distinctives, if you will. CCF has a lot of distinctives in Manila. If you go through the basic classes that we offer there, there are some distinctives. Husband and wife partnership in ministry. Small group. Those are distinctives. Not all the churches are the same. They have small group, but they have small group Bible studies. CCF, one distinctive. If we have small group, discipleship. Those are distinctives. Being holy, a holy nation to the Lord, should be a distinctive that when people see us, they will see that we live lives that are set apart for God. So that's why I entitled our message this morning is, Why Obey the Commandments? What is it about the commandments that we should obey and why? Look at Genesis 15. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. Earlier in the book of Genesis, God called Abram. You see, his name was still called Abram. Later on, God changed his name to Abraham. Much as Sarai got changed to Sarah. Okay? Out of the blue. We know that phrase. Out of the blue, God calls Abraham. Hey, Abraham. I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. And all nations will be blessed through you. And from your seed, all nations will be blessed. He repeats the promise no less than three times. In Genesis 15, however, God adds, said, This nation which you will father, which will multiply and will reach through all the earth, they will be oppressed. God is talking about the time that the Israelites would be slaves in Egypt. He said, Your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed, for 400 years. After 400 years, they will be freed. They will be liberated. And they will come out with a lot of possessions. If you read your Bible, you will know that this happened. God promised Abram. And all of his promises to Abram had been fulfilled. And in Exodus chapter 3, God used another man. He used the man Moses. He called Moses and spoke through Moses out of a burning bush. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. 
God is now at the beginning stages of his fulfillment of the promise that he gave to Abram that after 400 years, he would liberate his people at, from the hands of the Egyptians. And it continues in verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, and the Termite. What, what did Abraham do? Nothing. What did Moses do to be accorded this privilege? Nothing. Because it's all about the grace of God. It was God's plan all along since day one. And he was going to use Abraham. He was going to use Moses. To accomplish his plan. There's nothing special about Abram and Moses. Except that they were used by God. Because it is only by the grace of God that all of this had come to pass. Notice how the promise would be fulfilled. After 400 years, Moses comes into the picture. He goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to release my people. These are my slaves. Who's going to build my buildings? Who's going to build my pyramids? Right? Who's going to make the bricks? So Pharaoh said, no. God sent 10 plagues. Finally, the last plague, the plague of the death of the firstborn. And finally, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh agrees to let them go. And guess what? As promised in Genesis 15, when they left Egypt, they left with all the plunder, with all the gold, the silver that they could carry as slaves. Yet they came out with the plunder of Egypt. Now look at the promise of God. I'm going to bring them to a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Would you like to be go? To such a place? Many people around the world believe that America is the land flowing with milk and honey. Right? So a lot of people want to come over to America to live the American dream. Yes? Yes. In some aspects, this is the land flowing with milk and honey. Financially, economically, I guess you would say yes. However, it's really up to you to decide if this land is flowing with morality and uprighteousness. Now look at this land. It is a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There's just one problem. This land that God is giving to them is occupied. It is the land where the Canaanites live. It is the land where the Hittites live, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So yes, the land is given to them, but they have to take possession of the land. They had work to do. They had to occupy the land. Now in this land, 
of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite, how will you know whom God's people is? What sets God's people apart? That you will be able to identify God's people versus the Jebusite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Jebusite. So God's plan for them is to be freed from the Egyptian, to go to this land of milk and honey, the promised land. So we know the story. They left with the plunder. But then in Exodus chapter 20, God gives them the Ten Commandments. Moses is brought up to Mount Sinai and then God speaks these words to him. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or in the likeness of what is in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or under the water, under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the Father and the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the light which the Lord God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now let me ask you. When did God give the Ten Commandments? Did God give the Ten Commandments before they were set free or after they were set free? So obeying the Ten Commandments had nothing to do with why they were set free from the bondage under the Egyptians, right? So they were already set free. They were now identified as God's people and it is now that God gives them the commands by which they should live out their lives as God's people. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? God did not give them the Ten Commandments so that they could be set free. God gave them the Ten Commandments to live by the Ten Commandments because they were already free. Why did God give them the Ten Commandments? Because when they go into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanite, the Jebusite, the Hib... What? Termite. All of these ites, how are they going to live their lives? 
They needed the pattern to follow so that they could be set apart. They would be identified as God's people. My first point is we should obey the commandments of God because we distinguish ourselves. We identify ourselves as God's people. Obeying the commandments of God does not make us a child of God. What? Well, look at Galatians chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So the purpose of the law of God is to make us realize that we are sinners. No one will be justified. No one will be allowed to go to heaven simply because he obeys the law. Why? Because God requires perfect obedience to a perfect law 24 hours a day, 7 days a week until you die. Is anyone in this room able to obey the law completely? That's why. Look at the verse. So that every mouth will be closed and that we will be made accountable to God. So the law does not bring justification. Only Jesus Christ brings justification. Only Jesus Christ brings forgiveness. Only Jesus Christ makes us right before God. It is our duty because we have been set free to obey the law of God. Why do I mean that we distinguish ourselves as God's people? In the world today, there are a lot of theisms, a lot of ideas about God. We believe that there is one God and one creator and one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are others who believe in polytheistic gods. You have atheism, you have agnosticism, you have hedonism, you have fatalism. There's nothing. After this life, nothing. You have universalism. Everyone goes to heaven. You have all kinds of theories. Now, how do you know which people are God's people from all of this that's going on? Oh, this guy, this woman, believes that there's only one God. They believe that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. They don't work seven days a week. Because their God told them that they will work six days. The seventh day is a Sabbath. It is a special day, holy and dedicated to the Lord. These people don't steal. These people don't lie. These people honor the sanctity of marriage. They don't covet their neighbor's wife. 
nor do they covet their neighbor's goods. There's something different about these people. I submit to you that we ought to obey the commandments of God because we distinguish ourselves. We set ourselves apart from the rest of the world because we decide to follow God in God's laws. We're just discussing the Ten Commandments. In the Old Testament, it is said that there are 603 commandments. And in the New Testament, there are 1,050. We can't even memorize the Ten Commandments. How about 1,653? Three. Do not steal, do not murder. We forget the most important one. Number one. And God reminds them, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was my plan since day one to free you from slavery, to free you from bondage. Now that you're free, here are my laws. Same idea in Deuteronomy. God first gave the law in the book of Exodus. And they were about to cross into the promised land when they sent 12 spies. One representative from each of the 12 tribes. And 10 of them gave a bad report. Well, it was actually a mixed report. Oh, the land is indeed flowing with milk and honey. But they are land of giants. The Nephilim are there. They're giants. We're not going to be able to defeat them and take possession of the land. Two gave a positive report. Joshua and Caleb gave a positive report. Yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey indeed. Yes, the land has a lot of giants. But we have God with us. So we can do it. We can take possession of the land that God has promised to us. But because majority ruled, what did God do? Because of their unbelief, they wandered in the desert for 40 long years until that entire generation died out and only Joshua and Caleb were left. But because God is a God of grace, even their clothes for 40 years did not wither. Marshalls would not sell you. Ross will not sell you. TJ Maxx will not sell you. Because their clothes for 40 years stood the test of time. And now as they're about to enter, now that they're about to enter the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanites, Hebites, Jebusites, Perizzites, what did God do? God reminds them through Moses. Remember the law I gave you in the book of Exodus? That has not changed. Even if you have changed, even if you're in your unbelief, the whole generation of you died out. 
I, the Lord God, do not change. My purposes may change. My, my mannerisms and how I affect my will changes. But I, the Lord God, do not change. My machinations may change. The manner by which I bring out my blessing may change. But I do not change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I give you this law again. And Moses said, Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and ordinances which I am speaking in your hearing, that you may learn from them and observe them carefully. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, with all those alive here today. Why? That first generation died out. So he's now speaking to the next generation. The generation that will walk, will cross over into the promised land and to take possession of the land that God promised to them. Did anything change? The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire while I was standing between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire. You didn't go up to the mountain, he said. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven or above or on the earth or beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commands. Thus far, did God change his commands? He reminded them, this is the first command I've given you. God gave the commands in two tablets of stone. Now, after 40 years later, traveling through the wilderness, the first generation dying off, God gives the same commands. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in any way, shape, or form. Now look what man has been able to do. In the book of Acts, Paul stood in the midst of Eropagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. You see, they had so many gods. They Just to make sure. Just to make sure. They had all their bets covered. They even have to an unknown God. Just in case. You know, just in case we miss out. We have the God of travel. We have the God of mercy. We have the God of this. We have, wait, let's, just to make sure, let's have something to the unknown God. Just in case. God said, there's one God. One God. One God and creator of all. 
See, they come into the land. And all of this is there. The peoples, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, they worship all kinds of other gods. The god of Molech, the god of Baal. We worship the one true God. We identify ourselves as children of the one true God. Why? Because we have one God. We don't work on the Sabbath. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. We don't covet. We don't murder. Why? Because this is what God wants for us to do. This is how God, our God, wants for us to live. Did anything change? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes the name, who takes his name in vain. We live in a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you see this? I believe we see the exact reverse of this. It's become a curse word. Yes? The name of the Lord has become a curse word. OMG. Right? We take the name of the Lord in vain. We don't care. People don't care. We care. Because this is the name of my God. And I honor, I respect the name of God. You know, sometimes in the office it's funny because, you know, I, I have people sitting behind me and they know I'm a Christian. Some of them know my real job is a pastor. And then all of a sudden there, she's talking to her boyfriend. What? <laughs> oh, oh, Lorenzo. Excuse, sorry, sorry, sorry. Parang chicharon, dodotong. Crunchy, crunchy. Oh, oh, Lorenzo, sorry, sorry, sorry. They, you know, I'd like to believe that my life is making a difference. That I'm being distinguished. Not for me. I have nothing you know, of myself. That I'm able to distinguish myself because of what God is doing in my life. Not because of who I am, because I'm nothing. I'm a sinner just like all of us. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right? Remember? Wow, look. If you want to say OMG, but you're an atheist, you cannot. Oh my. You don't believe in God, right? So you cannot say, oh my. What will I say? You can't because you don't believe in God. So you cannot use, you're, you're just OM. You're not OMG because you don't believe in God. So you're just OM. Oh my. Oh yeah. Observe the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Why? When they were enslaved in Egypt, there's no rest. There's no rest. When Moses went to Pharaoh and asked that they be released, what did Ramses do? Okay, from now on, you make bricks without hay. Huh? Now it's harder. No, you don't have rest. You don't have rest. 
You're not paid. You're basically not a human being. You're just property. And God sets you free. You don't have to work seven days. You trust God to provide for you in the six days that you work. And you will find out that you will have enough or even more than enough if you work seven days. Now, here, we know. Some of us work Monday, Tuesday, Monday through Saturday, Tuesday to Sunday. Bible says, one day. Six days you work, one day you rest. That day is dedicated. That day is set apart for the Lord. Six days you shall labor, but the seventh is your Sabbath to the Lord. On it you will not do any work. Your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, etc., etc. Why? You shall remember that while you were in Egypt, while you were a slave in the land of Egypt, the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Remember God. Remember what God has done for you. If God took care of you while you were oppressed under the hands of the Egyptians, will not he provide for you? Even in your sleep? Trust God. Live a life that is distinguished from the rest. Honor God by honoring his Sabbath. Verse 16. Honor your father and your mother. Why? So that you, your days may be prolonged. And it may go well with you in the land which the Lord God gives you. We don't have time to discuss it now. But if you're a parent in their time, and you had a belligerent, hard-headed child, and you basically given up, you go to the priest, and you, you, you bring your son, and say, I give it up. I've done everything. And what will the priest do? They will stone your child to death. Good thing. We don't do it today. <laughs> we will run out of stones. <laughs> yes? It's a good thing we don't do that today. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother. Not only obey, honor. Do what they like. Do what pleases them. It's something more above and beyond obedience. Yes, you are supposed to obey your parents. But to honor them is even to do what they like. What pleases them. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. In the Philippines, they said, wow, the Philippines, number one. The only nation in the world that, that, does, that does not allow divorce. Yay! So you don't, you still with your wife? Yeah! You don't divorce? No, it's illegal to divorce. Really? Yeah. So I have my wife number two on the side, wife number three on the side, and wife number four on the side. Because it is illegal for divorce. How about the other commands? We are so good, we are so wise in going around God's commands. Be 
husband of one wife. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor shall you desire your neighbor's house, his field, his servant, his male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Why did God give us all of these commands? God's commands are not given to us to restrict us. God's commands are given to us so that we will be distinguished. We will live lives that are set apart from the rest of the peoples. And God is giving us the commands because He says in Deuteronomy 11, See, I'm setting for you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I'm commanding to you today. And a curse if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I am commanding you today by following other gods which you have not known. See, God gave the commands for our benefit. God wants to bless us. Imagine, if God did not give us this command, you will steal from your neighbor. He has a better car. You will get your neighbor's wife. Because she's much prettier. Because she's younger. Right? I think your wife is downstairs. She did, did not hear you, yes. See? These commands are for our benefit. These commands are for our benefit. But what is our knee-jerk reaction? I, we're not supposed to do this. We're not supposed to do that. God's commands are very restrictive. We cannot do this. We cannot do that. On the contrary, my friends, my brothers and sisters, God gave us the commands so we will be blessed. Anyone who comes to faith in God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. God gave us commands to bless us. See, I'm setting for you today a blessing and a curse. Blessing if you obey, a curse or a consequence if you disobey. My friends, the pathway to blessing is obedience. And God wants to reward us. And if you want the reward of God, if you want the blessing of God, there's no shortcut. Obey. Obey the word of God and you will be blessed. I guarantee it. Why? Because God said he wants to bless you. I'm not saying that he's going to bless you this way or that way. That department is God's. God's will is whatever God wants to do in your life. And even problems can become blessings. God wants to bless you. Now, don't disobey God, and then when the consequence comes, you blame God. God already told you, this, you want to be blessed, this is the way. This is what you follow. And then you disobey, and then you expect what? Blessing parin? You'll have consequence. You'll have consequence. So if you want to be blessed, follow the way of God. Live a life distinguished from the rest. 
and then people around you, the peoples around you, will be able to set you apart, will be able to pinpoint, oh, these are God's people. They don't lie in their, they don't cheat in their taxes. They don't lie. They set apart God's day for God. They have one God. They're different in a positive way. You know, when we went to Korea for, uh, well, not my group, but the group before me, which is Pastor Glenn, because, you know, we are very familiar with, with all, we like to joke with one another. And the Korean pastors, they're very pious. And one of them goes to Pastor Peter and says, Pastor Peter, are these your pastors? And Pastor Peter very proudly, yes, they are pastors. Oh, they are different. <laughs> In the negative sense. Distinguished. We must live our lives distinguished. By obeying the commandments of God, we distinguish ourselves as God's people. Secondly, we prove we love God. Why? John 15. If you keep my commandments, Jesus writes, you will abide in my love. You stay in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide, remain, stay in his love. If you want to stay, if you want to prove that you love God, you obey His commands. And look at what it says. These things, all of the commands, I've spoken to you so that what? My joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. God is not a cosmic killjoy. He wants you to enjoy your Christian life. That's why He's given us these commands by which we follow so that His joy may be in us and our joy will be made complete. Same idea in 1 John. In fact, this is the love of God, to keep His commands. And what's the last line? His commands are not burdensome. God's commands are not meant to restrict us. God's commands are there to liberate us, to free us, to love God back. And if you have love, love language, some people, their love language is gift. Some love language is time. Some love language is talk. Some love language is touch. God also has a love language. He writes in 1 John 14, If you love me, you will keep my commands. That is God's love language. And because when you express your love to God in obedience, and He says, if you obey, you will be blessed. Wouldn't you like to obey God and express your love? Because you desire and that you know that God has your best interest in mind. It's easier to obey, right? If it is obeyed or if you're obeying out of love. It's hard to obey if you obey grumblingly or grudgingly. Those of you with little kids, it's cold day tomorrow, sleep at night. Aga-aga <laughs> pa. Wala na makamintes. 
Here in America, I love the order. There are two lines. There are three lanes. Right? In Manila, we have evolved yet again. <laughs> now it's easier to drive in Manila. What? Yes, because you can make your own lane. <laughs> you can make your, the driver. Oh, here. Oh, oh, here. Oh, 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 here. And then he's going back here. And, wow, it's very fast. <laughs> because you make your own lane. And the hand is always like this. You know this? You always honk the horn. Get out of the get out of my way. There's order. You drive on this lane. Right? This is your lane, that's his lane. You don't intersect. You don't drive in the middle of the two lines. You drive in between, not in the middle. When the light turns red, it means stop. When the light is yellow, it means warning. In us, go faster, the light is about to change. You know? And now, in some traffic lights in Manila, you'll find this funny. There's a countdown timer. 120 seconds. And then, you will see the jeepneys. Three, two, he's already moving. Three, two, one. There's no order. When there is no order, where there is no law to follow, what do we call that? Anarchy. We call that chaos. God gave us laws. That, that when we follow, we prove our love to God. God, I love you. I love you and I appreciate what you have done for me. Therefore, I'm going to follow you. It's not God I'm going to follow so that you will love me. God already loves us. God already has proven how much He loves us when He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I obey God because I love God back. Because He loved me first. And he tells us, Philippians 2, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, maybe some of you are obeying because your discipleship group leader is watching you. So why did you come to worship today? Oh, because my discipleship group leader, he has a checklist. He checked attendance. And then he will call me Monday night. Hello, why weren't you at worship? Again. God is telling us, obey. God is watching us. We are not here to police you. That's why Paul encourages us. He said, obey more so in my absence. Not only in my presence. You obey. Because why? When you obey, what are you doing? You are actually working out your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible does not tell us that we work for our salvation. The Bible tells us because we are saved, we work out our salvation with reverential fear to God who saved us because of His grace, 
who saved us because of His mercy. Not because of anything that we can do for God, but because what of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. I prove my love to God by following Him. To work out. Why do you work out? Those of you who work out, sorry, I don't. It's obvious. Those of you who work out, you want to exercise your muscles, right? You want to trim the fat. Let me just close. You want to trim the fat, right? You want to trim the fat. You want to burn it off. So you go to the gym, you work it out. Same with the Christian life. You want to obey God more? You want to learn His Word? Study. Obey. Don't get stuck with the secret things as Pastor Reggie mentioned last week. Precisely, that's why the Bible says the secret thing belongs to whom? They belong to God. So what business is it of ours? Allah, what are you doing? I'm looking for the secret. Secret nga eh. You're waiting to discover the secret things that belong to God, but the things that you already know about God through His Word, you're not even willing to obey. And then you get frustrated because you're trying to dissect the secret. That's why it's called the secret. And that's why they belong to God. You want to know the secret? Wait till you see God face to face. Then you ask Him. In the meantime, what we know, we must obey. Let's not focus on the things that we don't know. Let's focus on obeying the things that we know. Because when we obey, we tell God, God, I love you. And to prove how much I love you, I obey your word. Your word is there. Your commandments are there to bless me. Not to restrict me, but to bless me. And lastly, why obey the commands? Because we distinguish ourselves as God's people. We prove we love God and we become effective witnesses for Jesus. What? If I obey, I become an effective witness for Jesus? Yes. Look, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners, as exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your souls. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. When people see that we obey God, when people see that we obey God because we love God, it makes an impact on the people around us. They will see. Oh, they're going to accuse you. Oh, these born-again Christians. You know, their perspective is very narrow. Only one God. They don't curse. They don't lie. They don't cheat. But why do, they, why do they gravitate towards you? When they have a problem, why do they talk to you? There must be something that they see in your life that is correct, that is upright, that is pleasing to them as well as to God. So they go to you. If you live, if you claim that you're a follower of Jesus and you don't live a life as if you're a follower of Jesus, you also make an impact, a negative impact. Oh, if that's Christianity, I do not want 
to have anything to do with it. But if you have a positive impact on them, just again yesterday, oh, Friday, my co-worker again reminded me, hey, Lorenzo, very formal at work. Hey, Lorenzo, when are we going to go out and have a couple of beers? He wants to talk spiritual stuff. No, I'm serious. He's already talked to me about it. He's already, he has a brother who is a priest. But I guess he sees something in the way I communicate, in the way I carry myself at work, or handle myself in front of our clients, that he's beginning to be interested. You see, when I choose to obey the commandments of God, and his commandments are not burdensome, when I choose to obey God because I love God, it makes an impact on the people around me. And that's why it motivates me even more to obey the commands of God. Because when they see my life distinguished or set apart because of God's presence in my life, then it prepares them for the possibility of encountering Jesus through me, through my life, and Lord willing, through my sharing Christ with them. But if I myself don't obey God, and I just keep on saying things about God, but my life does not reflect the Lordship of Jesus in my life, how can I possibly win them to Christ? It's not going to happen. So why do I obey? I obey. Because it distinguishes me from the rest. It proves my love for God. And I can be an effective witness. You see, God says in Jeremiah, This is the covenant which I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them. On their heart I will write it. I will be their God and they shall be my people. The word of God in our heart. Not just in our mind. In our heart. You know, when it comes from the heart, it is genuine. When it comes from the heart, it is real. So I want my life to make an impact to the people around me from my heart. I don't do things because I pastor a church. I don't do things because, simply because I'm married and a father. I do things from the heart. Because this is what pleases God. This is what God wants for me to do as a pastor, as an employee, as a husband, as a father, as your D group leader. From the heart. Not something that I have to do, but something that I want to do. Something that I enjoy doing. Now, given a choice, I would rather lead worship. But God has sent me here and has given me a different type of ministry. I don't lead worship as much because I have to do more preaching than worship. But I pray that in both, God is pleased and the people blessed. God's commandments should be in our heart. When we do it out of our heart, we should be able to bring the light of God into the room. They would want that you're there. 
So when you go into the room, do you bring light? Or do you bring gloom? Shh, Lorenzo is coming. Keep quiet. Or, hey, Lorenzo, what, what's going on? Hey, we missed you. I got a text. Hey, we missed you here at work. Two weeks I was out. It's a good feeling. Rather than, hey, why'd you come into work today? <laughs> Happens, right? Now, for those of you, again, God set us free. That's why he gave us the commands to follow. You don't be set free because you obey. You've already been set free because of the grace of God. And because you have been set free, God has put his laws, his word, his commandments in your heart. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8. Therefore, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Only those who have been freed by Jesus Christ, who have been freed from the bondage of, of sin, only those who are forgiven in Christ Jesus, only they are set free and declared children of God because it is only Christ Jesus that fulfilled the requirements of the law. His perfect obedience to God's will and you and I, can make that our very own. You see what it says? There is therefore, therefore there is now no condemnation, but only for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you have to be in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus should be in you so that you can claim this verse. That you're no longer under the law of sin, which leads to death. But you are now under the spirit that gives life. So let me ask you as I close. If you have Jesus, then you are free to obey the commands. And God's commands are not a heavy load for you to carry. My question, therefore, is have you been set free? By the Son of God? Or are you still trying to obey God so that you would be counted by God and set free? You have to come to faith in Christ, and Christ will set you free. And when you are set free, you are free to obey God because you love God. Do you feel that God and His commandments are burdensome? Maybe there is some unconfessed sin in your life. Make it right with God, right here, right now. And commit to live a life that distinguishes you from the rest of the world. A life of obedience motivated by love for God. So that the people around you know that you are God's child. 
because of your life's witness. Both in your deeds and if God allows the opportunity, even in your words. With every head bowed, every eye closed, between you and the Lord, which are you? Are you still trying to convince God to accept you because of your obedience? Or have you accepted the grace of God through Jesus Christ and having been set free, willing and freely making a commitment to obey God no matter what. If you're here this morning and you have not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ, then perhaps now is the time to come to faith in Jesus. And just be honest with God and just tell Him, God, I have disobeyed you. I'm a sinner. And I need your salvation. Just ask Jesus Christ, thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I humbly open the door of my heart and I invite you to come into my life as my Savior and Lord. I know I don't deserve it, but I, I accept your grace today. And with your Holy Spirit living in me, I pray that you will change me to become the kind of Christian the kind of follower that you want me to be. If you'd pray that prayer by the promises of Scripture, there is now no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're struggling with obeying God. Then let me remind you that through the blood of Jesus at Calvary, all of your sins have been forgiven as well. And that you need to learn to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. To obey God more. So that your life will be set apart, different from the others. So that your life can be a love relationship really between you and God. That you obey God out of obedience. And that your life can matter to the people around you who may not know or have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Then wherever you are in this room, just ask God to speak to you and deal with you in the area that He needs to deal with you. That's between you and God. And let's give each other a few quiet moments. God Almighty, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your commandments are not burdensome. That your commandments allow us to distinguish ourselves, to set ourselves apart from the peoples of the world because we are your children. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood set apart for your purposes. Thank you that when we obey your commands, we prove to you 
that we love you. And thank you, Lord, that as we obey you out of love, we can become effective witnesses for your son, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help all of us, Lord, we pray, because we can't do it. We can't do it on your own. We need the power of your Holy Spirit moving in our lives to accomplish your purposes in our lives, Lord God. For even you have equipped all of us everything and anything that we need for godliness we already have in the Holy Spirit. So help us, Lord, we pray. And for those who have just come to faith in Jesus Christ this morning, I pray that we'll tell somebody about it. Allow us to share this truth, Lord God, and what you're teaching us so that the glory goes back to you. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.